What's up, everybody? Welcome to my podcast, The Sonder Society. Sonder is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness. In this podcast, we focus on the people behind Instagram, its advantages and disadvantages, and how the future has been shaped around it. I have designed and implemented a platform to share insights with you from a variety of guests of different backgrounds to let you into their life, work, relationships, and experiences. Let's get into it. Welcome to this week's episode of Sonder Society, where we dive into the exciting world of influencer marketing. Today, we have a special guest, Emily Adams, joining us. Emily is here to share with us some insights into the world of influencer marketing. We'll also talk about her childhood, moving to Calgary, and her experiences with mental health. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. You excited? I am, very. Lots to talk about, lots lots planned in this episode, so I'm excited as well. Um, but let's get straight into it. Not a lot of your followers will know kind of the story from the beginning. So let's start with a bit of context about your life growing up. Start as far back as you'd like. Yeah, okay. So um, I grew up in a small town outside of um, Toronto. So lived most of my life growing up there and then went to the university outside of Toronto. Um, and then from there, after school, I did a bit of traveling and that kind of ended up bringing me out to Calgary. And I feel like that's kind of where my like social media journey really started. So that's probably where I think most of my followers have sort of like met me and like really grown with me, but it all kind of started like really in a tiny little town of Orangeville, Ontario. <laughs> nice. So I was, I was going to mention kind of where did you grow up? And I know we've had this conversation and I think it shocked you when I said that I'd lived in the same town, but yeah. t- tell us a little bit about Orangeville. <clears throat> yeah. So just a really small town, like right, right outside of um, Toronto, like about an hour away from Toronto. I feel like I loved growing up there. It's like a really beautiful place to have a childhood. But for me, it was just definitely like a little bit too small and too sort of sheltered. And so kind of at the first opportunity I got to leave, I definitely jumped on that. Even throughout my childhood, I feel like I had a, a lot of opportunity that like brought me outside of Orangeville, which I'm really grateful for because ultimately I think it's a really easy place to kind of like get um, trapped into and like never leave because it is so cute and quaint and comfortable but I just don't think it necessarily like served me in the way that I would like stay there yeah for sure I think a lot of people outgrow kind of the Mm -hmm. the small towns and then they realize that there's there's a lot more in this world which obviously brought you to here Mm -hmm. obviously we've had a conversation prior that I did live in Orangeville which was shocking I was about to say how did that make you feel when I when I said that because Mm -hmm. it is a small town just kind of outside of Toronto it's so funny because even people from Toronto don't necessarily know Orangeville. So when everyone's like, when I meet people and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm from outside of Toronto, they're always like, oh, where? Like Oakville, Burlington, like Whitby, whatever. And most of the time I'm like, no, you probably don't know it. And so this was a very similar conversation that you and I had. And then when I think I said Orangeville and you said that you like had spent a period of your life there, I was like, what? Like, that's just insane because typically you don't really meet people who 
especially having grown up there, like for you, I was so shocked that you came to Canada and somehow ended up in Orangeville because that's pretty <laughs> rare that that happens. Yeah, I think, well, we won't get into the story of how that happened, but <laughs> I quite liked it. It was, it was not, especially coming from England and that mm-hmm. was kind of my, well, Toronto was, but my first experience of Canada and being in a small a small town. It was kind of nice because obviously a lot of people know each other there. Mm-hmm. There's only certain amount of places that you can go. Very few. Um, Finn McCool's, is it? Finn McCool's, Boston go. Pizza. There you go, exactly. <laughs> and that was kind of my first learning of what Canada was like. But mm-hmm. there seemed to be like snow blizzards there all the time. Was that? Yeah, it's a lot colder than Toronto. Like mm-hmm. it's it's only like 50 minutes away from Toronto, but like it's north of Toronto. And so, yeah, winters are definitely a little bit crazier there. There's a lot more snow and that sort of thing. For sure. So you, you grew up in Orangeville. Mm-hmm. I guess I've got two questions. How old were you? Till you stayed in Orangeville till until you moved mm. did you then move to Toronto no so it's funny because like the home that I was like born into like brought home from the hospital is still the home that my parents live in so I've never even like I never even moved houses or anything I literally grew up in Orangeville in that house for my entire life until I went to university and I went to school um, at Laurier University in Waterloo which again is like a city outside of Toronto. Um, And then my plan actually was after school to move downtown Toronto. That's kind of what everyone does, right? They grow up all around Toronto and then slowly like segregate down to the city. But um, for me, that didn't, that was my plan. It didn't happen that way. The second I finished school, I started traveling. And then that kind of made me realize that there's so many other places in the world to experience. And I was like, yeah, I'm not moving to Toronto. So I never actually lived downtown Toronto but obviously I've spent like a lot of my life in and out of the city there Mm -hmm. and you obviously went to university near Toronto Mm -hmm. um, or just outside there as well what was the experience like of coming from a small town and only living in like you said that your parents are still in that same house and then going into I guess what you would see as the big wide world nearer to the nearer (laughs) to the city what was that experience like was that a shock The thing about it is when I was choosing what university I wanted to go to, I did like a lot of university tours and was like very strategic about where I picked. And I picked Laurier, which is another really kind of like smaller university and still has that kind of like tight knit community, which funny enough is actually one of the reasons like I loved Laurier. And it's one of the reasons that I love Calgary um, and like kind of ended up here because it kind of was like an introduction to like a bigger city, but it still had that small town, like close knit vibe, you know? So I feel like it was like not too much of a shock because it wasn't too far away from home and still kind of had that same feeling, but it gave me like a level of expansion that I wanted to like meet more people and have new experiences and things like that. What did you even study at university? So what did you go there for? Yeah. So I went to school for communications and business management. And then I kind of like specialized my degree into um, marketing and like social media, which ended up working out really well for me in terms <laughs> yeah. of like where I ended up taking my career. For sure. And and did you have the idea going into the course of mm. originally that you wanted to go down that route or did that develop as you were in university? No. So when I was in my like last year of high school, I actually was not planning on going to university right away at all. I was planning on like taking a gap year and traveling and doing that sort of thing just because I knew like 
I liked the idea of business, but this bitch is bad at math. And I definitely <laughs> didn't think I could get my way through like a full BBA or something. Um, and so I was like, well, what am I going to go to school for? Like, I don't know, maybe I should go to college. Like, I just don't know what I want. Like, I have no idea. And I feel like at that young, like, how the hell are you supposed to know? But then I started like looking into different like um, options that universities have there. And I found Laurier did this communications with a business management. So it was like, I got this almost like double major or like kind of a minor in business. So I didn't have to do all the math and like <laughs> all of the finance and things like that. So it kind of allowed me to like get the most about both best of both worlds. So when I found that, I was like, Ooh, like that's a really good fit for me. But I honestly had no idea. I actually thought I was going to be a teacher. Like from a really, really young age, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. I thought I was going to be an elementary school teacher. And then that kind of went out the window, but it's interesting now because, and I know we'll probably like dive into this a little bit more, but I now find myself in like teaching roles, but not in the traditional way of like being a school teacher you know what I mean and well my follow-up is what do you mean by that okay so I feel like I, I originally thought okay I'm going to be a school teacher I'm going to be an elementary school teacher that went out the window decided to go to school for comms and business didn't know where that was going to take me um and then started to get into like social media marketing and whatever um but throughout that came a lot of like teaching business owners how to run their social media like not just doing it for them but like teaching and consulting and then influencers teaching and consulting and that just kind of like kept happening I kept finding myself in these roles where I was like not just like doing business and social media and influencer marketing but I was like teaching and consulting in those areas so after after university you was that when you traveled yeah. Okay. I went to um, London, England and um, New Zealand and Australia. So I was traveling for, I think, like three months, um, like kind of by myself. You did all you did London, Australia and New Zealand in three months? Um, not completely. I went to London for one trip, came back, but was only back for like a month and then mm -hmm. went back to or like then went over to New Zealand and Australia. Awesome. What made you kind of want to travel after university and not go straight into work? Yeah. So I think even like I've always been this way and this was how I was growing up in Orangeville. Like I know the world is a lot bigger than what I experienced and what I saw in my childhood. Right. And I'm really grateful because my parents like introduced me to other areas and other people by expanding like my world through putting me in like competitive dance or sending me to like summer camp or just different avenues where I would like really understand that Orangeville is not <laughs> the entire world. Mm -hmm. And so I think after school, I already knew that, you know, like this world is big and amazing and there's so much to learn and, and there's so much that it offers. So I just wanted to experience that. So I didn't really care where I went. I just knew I wanted to travel and then different opportunities came up for different reasons for me to go to um, London, New Zealand and Australia. Amazing. And you mentioned then your kind of your parents put you into dance and different things to give you experiences what was your family dynamic like obviously again you were in a small town are you super close-knit what, what is the makeup of your family there yeah so I grew up in a house of six people um I have three brothers so I have an older brother a twin brother and a younger brother so I kind of have it all it's a little <laughs> bit crazy but I'm really grateful because we are so close I always say like 
my brothers are my best friends. And I mean, growing up, obviously I was not best friends with all of them all of the time. There was definitely phases where I liked one better than the other or whatever. And we would be, you know, fighting and arguing, but ultimately like my parents really instilled in us like that we were each other, like we were to be each other's best friends first and foremost. And that's like really ran through into my like adulthood. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that because, you know, there were a lot of different things that I did on my own, but at the same time, like they were there throughout all a lot of different parts of my life. And, and I'm grateful that I just had like those people like there for me, you know? Yeah, for sure. You mentioned you, you know, you're pretty close as a family. Did you experience any challenges when you were growing up? Apart from being in a small town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like everyone does. Like everyone has their own challenges and, and things that they go through. I think it's interesting, like growing up into my adult life and realizing like how things in my childhood that I thought were like super chill or like not even a big deal have actually impacted me. But like ultimately I feel pretty grateful for the life that I did have growing up. Like my parents, like I said, gave us a lot of opportunity to try and experience the world in, in whatever way they possibly like could for us. So putting me into dance, going to summer camp and, and those were really impactful things on my life that I think were like ultimately really positive. You know, everyone has their like challenges, but mm -hmm. I feel pretty grateful with the, with the way I grew up. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, you obviously made the move to Calgary. Mm -hmm. You're here. You're here with me now in the city. But talk to me about kind of the decision to move. Obviously from Orangeville, you did yeah. university. You went traveling, and then take me to the point of of the decision to move. Yeah. So like I was kind of saying before, the plan was always to move downtown Toronto. Right. That's sort of what everyone in Ontario does. They go to school outside of Toronto, and then they move downtown and start getting jobs or whatever. And for me, after traveling, I realized like, why am I going to move to a city that's an hour away from where I've grown up my whole life and an hour away from where I went to school? Like I could live anywhere in the world. And actually, when I was in Australia, I wasn't actually planning on coming home. I fell in love with it there. And the only reason I came home was because one, it was Christmas time and I knew my mom would kill me if I didn't come home. <laughs> And two, I had a boyfriend back at home who didn't come traveling with me. So I knew I couldn't stay in Australia, but my plan was kind of to go back home, go home for the holidays, get my boyfriend and us to move to Australia. So you did you did long distance with your boyfriend for how long? Um, so most of our relationship was like somewhat long distance because we didn't go to the same university. And then I went traveling after and he just didn't come. So pretty much our entire relationship was long distance until we decided to move to Calgary. And then we moved in together, lived together in Calgary, which was an interesting experience for sure. And I'm super grateful for it. But ultimately, like, that's what brought me to Calgary was I just kind of wanted a new experience, a new place. He was like, yeah, we're not moving halfway across the world. Like, that's a little bit crazy. Don't yeah. ask me how Calgary came in the mix, because I think I knew one person who lived here. But ultimately, I just wanted a new city and a new experience to meet new people and have new experiences. And Calgary ended up being it. For sure. Well, good, good pick. Um, <laughs> obviously, living with your or ex-boyfriend now, mm -hmm. um, what was that experience like? Obviously, again, you've gone from a small town, you've come to this big city, you've not known anyone and you're living with your boyfriend, yeah. which you said most of the time you did long distance. So mm -hmm. that's a pretty intense move kind of altogether. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was definitely interesting. I feel like I'm super grateful for it and I learned a lot. The one thing I will say is 
moving to a city where I didn't know anybody, I was super grateful to have him because doing that alone, like completely by myself, definitely would have been a, probably a bigger challenge and a, and a more challenging experience. But so I'm super grateful that that happened. I feel like we were pretty open with each other about, you know, needing to set boundaries and being open that this move didn't have to be permanent. It could be temporary. And if it wasn't working, it wouldn't stay. <laughs> um, luckily, like we ended up loving Calgary, having a really great time and staying here for about a year and a half. Ultimately, what ended up happening was he had to move back to Ontario for school and I followed, which I was not super stoked about because I actually fell in love with Calgary, which was shocking because if you, if anyone knows me, you know that I hate winter and I hate <laughs> country music. And I was like, why is this girl moving to Calgary? But I ended up falling in love with it. I fell in love with the mountains. I fell in love with the city itself, the people in it, all of that. Um, and so, yeah, like going back to Ontario was honestly like not super ideal for me, but at the time I was obviously following a relationship. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people do that, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to choose and make a decision, especially if you're maybe feeling like you're alone if you stayed here. And then obviously he went back. Talk to me about the experience, obviously, when you were here with him. How did you make friends? What? How did that work for you? Mm, I have actually got that question a lot. A lot of people ask me about moving to Calgary in specific, but also just how to like create a community when you move to a new place. And I think the biggest thing is you really have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and putting yourself out there. So one of the ways that I made friends was I got a restaurant job. Um, and at that point I was just starting my career in influencer marketing. Um, and so it just made sense to get the restaurant job, have an extra stream of income and meet people. But I actually met most of my th friends just through reaching out on social media and like went on some super awkward like friend first dates but ultimately I met some of the most like incredible people that way but it was super hard I kind of just slid in people's dms and was like hey like I know I'm random but like I'm new to the city how would you I like that I like that you've gone out your comfort zone for sure but how did you I guess select who you would message mm, what, yeah. what, what was that decision making so at that time like I said I was like kind of starting my career in influencer marketing. So that was like a huge part of my life. And I knew that I wanted to align myself with people who were doing the same thing because like up until that point, all of my friends were either from Orangeville or from university. And so I was like, this is sick because I'm moving to a new city where I get to choose, like I get to choose who I am. I get to choose who I spend my time with, whatever. And so I knew that I wanted to align myself with people who were also working in the field. And so I would literally just like look up on Instagram, like Calgary blogger or like look at like a restaurant in Calgary that looked cute and who was like tagging photos there or whatever. Like I was kind of just being a super creep of like all things Calgary and like Calgary influencers and things like that. And yeah, kind of just like shot my shot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. But what I want to know is did any you obviously made friends, you know, over, over a period of time, but was there any of those DMs or friend dates that you went on that didn't work out the way you thought it would be? Oh, for sure. Like there was like DMs that went on left on red and like conversations that maybe like, actually, honestly, I would say 99% of the people I reached out to were super sweet and super like receptive to at least like giving me some recommendations on like where I should go in the city or whatever, but maybe didn't, we didn't end up like super vibing and, and not like hanging out. But 
for the most part, I think people were pretty like receptive to, yeah, just trying to be friendly, which also was very interesting because not that people like in Ontario aren't like that, but I did find there was quite a difference between the experiences I was having with people in Calgary versus in Ontario. I think, well, I could agree with that because I've experienced both, right? I first lived in Toronto Mm -hmm. um, and then moved to Calgary and that was my experience. And people do say, you know, the people here are so nice. And I think that is true because people are just a little bit more open to, and I think it's because maybe this is a smaller city. Toronto is a big city. Mm -hmm. So maybe you get lost in, in that life and it, it is a little bit pretentious in, in certain spots. Um, but I feel like people are a bit open here to having conversations or, mm-hmm. you know, if you did DM someone in Toronto I, compared to Calgary, I think they, the conversations would go completely different, right? And 100%. it would, it would be interpreted in a, in, in a different way. I know obviously you prefer Calgary, um, over <laughs> Ontario, but talk to me about that. Can you kind of sh- share why? And I guess the reason I, I asked that question is there is so many people moving out to Calgary now, you mm-hmm. know, from Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, all over Canada. And, you know, it really is becoming the new province to, to live in. And that's work and and housing that's obviously encouraged people to move here. But tell me kind of why you like um, Calgary or Alberta more, yeah. than, more than Ontario. I like always say this. I am the biggest advocate for Calgary. And I just think it's so funny because if you would have asked me if I like would have been that girl I never would have thought so but people ask me all the time about moving to Calgary and I'm like hell yes do it like ultimately move anywhere that's not where you grew up it's the best experience you can ever do for yourself but Calgary in specific like there's a handful of things that I love about it and truthfully as much as I'm an advocate for Calgary I won't necessarily recommend it to everybody right because not everybody wants the same things out of out of a certain place but for me what I really loved was one the like proximity to the mountains two the fact that it does have a small town vibe even though it's a big city and obviously like I said growing up in a small town having that kind of same sort of small town energy just feels like home um and yeah like it's crazy. I'd never thought that this would actually be the experience, but moving out here, people really do just live a different way and really are just friendlier and like a little more laid back and relaxed and chill. And I, I really love that. I I do find, and you know, not everybody, and I can't paint a blanket statement about everybody who lives in Toronto, but I find in Ontario, it's a lot of more of that sort of like New York city lifestyle where people are really concerned about their career, their status, the way things look. It's very fast paced. It's go, go, go. And I found here, it was just a little bit more like, let's enjoy life a little bit and let's enjoy each other. Like it doesn't necessarily matter what you do or who you are. Like I would just want to get to know you and like vibe, you know what I mean? Why, why do you think that is? Obviously, you know, I think a lot of people do say that about the differences between mm. Ontario and Alberta, but why do you think that is, I guess, specifically on the Ontario side? Yeah, I don't know if it like has to, do, I mean, does it have to do with the proximity to being near a place like New York? Maybe. Does it have to do with like, I don't know. I just find that East Coast lifestyle is so much more focused on that like hustle and go, go, go and like 
networking, if you want to call it that, and like really trying to align yourself with the right people for the right career jumps and whatever. And maybe it's just because it's a hell of a lot more expensive to live there and you need to be making a lot more money. Like, I don't really know, but I, yeah, I always say like Toronto kind of has like that mini like New York city sort of vibe where it's just like hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah, I think I think the difference. I think you could be right because the difference here is you're so close to the mountains and nature. Mm-hmm. I think you're in the nature a little exactly. bit more, and I think that's what people kind of refer to live your life a little bit um, mm-hmm. because you're 30 minutes an hour away from the mountains. Whereas Toronto, it is that big city, it's that mini New York, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably leads people to to live to live a certain way like that. I guess from obviously moving, um, like you mentioned you would recommend everyone doing it. Mm. But what did you, what would you say the biggest things that you've learned from moving? Mm, I love that. Yeah. I, I honestly think the best thing I've ever done for myself was deciding to move to a completely new place that was nowhere near where I grew up. And the reason for being is because kind of like I said before, like I really got to choose who I was and who I wanted to be and who I wanted to spend my time with and my energy on and whatever. And I feel like when you choose to settle down in a place that you've lived your whole life, there comes like this level of like obligation, like, oh, I've been friends with that person forever. So even though maybe we've grown apart or aren't the same people now, like there's this level of obligation to be like that or you know, just because of the person that you were in high school, you could be a very different person now, but you feel kind of like tied back to that. Like, well, how are people going to look at me now that this is what I'm interested in versus this? Whereas when I moved to Calgary, it was kind of like a completely fresh slate. I wasn't concerned at all about what people thought. I was like, I'm just going to show up how I want to show up and be like my most authentic self and allow these people to like fall in love with the Emily Adams that I am now, not the one that they knew when I was in grade six. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think people can naturally get trapped. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if they stay in their hometown, you get so used to what it's like. And when you finally decide to make that move, it is scary, right? You've Mm -hmm. got, you're going to be uncomfortable, but being able to push the barriers of what you normally would do, you start to evolve as a person and, and we all change as we grow up and, mm-hmm. and that's the exciting part about life. Um, let's talk about another exciting part of your life. I know your Instagram story is pretty much full um, of snaps of being abroad in yeah. places such as Tulum. Um, so I want to talk about your travel experiences. I know you talked about obviously England, Australia, New Zealand, yeah. and you have done a, quite a bit of traveling and obviously your work allows you to do that. But Talk to me about your most recent trip uh, away. <laughs> yeah, so most recently I just spent a month um, in Tulum and I went there alone. Um, people, some friends came and visited me like a couple times throughout the trip. But ultimately I, I, I really like to travel alone. Um, this was like the first time that I've really, really traveled alone and wasn't going to like meet someone else there. And it was interesting. It was challenging. It was incredible. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was challenging. <laughs> it was a shock. What made it challenging? Um, I think one, I, I went into this trip with a picture in my head on, on how it was going to go. You know, I was like, I'm going to go have this trip and I'm going to, it's going to be so healing and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And this is what it's going to be like and look like when I get to Tulum. And when I rolled up there, I was like, Oh, this, this doesn't feel like, look like 
this is not like what I thought it was. And I think ultimately my trip didn't start to get really beautiful until I let go of my expectations and allowed myself to just like flow. And I think there's also a huge challenge with going to a place by yourself. Um, There was a level of safety that I was like not used to because most of my travels prior to this have been in like throughout North America and then Europe and, and New Zealand and Australia. But this was kind of the first time I was in like a more developing country by myself. I don't speak the language. It was the first time I traveled somewhere completely by myself where I didn't speak the language. So it just came with all these different like nuances and challenges that I had to navigate that I just really wasn't expecting. So it threw me off when I got there. Do you normally travel alone? Is that what you prefer to do? Um, I don't know if I would say that I like prefer it, but I love it. And I mean, most of my travels prior to this trip, I maybe went to that place alone, but I was meeting someone there or I've done a lot of work trips by myself um, throughout like Canada and the U.S., which I mean, traveling alone through the U.S. is is not that much of a difference than traveling alone through Canada. Right. So and I'm be I'm in cities like LA or New York or, or Vegas or things like that. Um, so this was kind of like the first time I was by myself, not going to meet a single person. And I actually did love it. I do love traveling alone. I don't know if it's necessarily for everybody. And I also don't know if it's necessarily for every type of trip. Um, but there is something so incredible about it. I love it. I think, yeah, people are probably going to listen to this and think I'm a bit of a loner, but I prefer to travel alone yeah. than, than with people. And yeah. I don't know what it is hard to explain, but you kind of get in a situation where you have to figure things out exactly. on your own and you start using it's your so empowering and you find yourself probably having a different experience than you would if you were with other people, right? Exactly. Because then there's suggestions that come into it. You probably go a bit more down the tourist route. Mm-hmm. When I'm alone, I tend to go a bit off the beaten track. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and really experience different things. With, with Tulum, what is it that you kind of liked about it there? Mm. I loved the like way of living. Like I'm a very kind of, I don't want to say like slow living, but I'm definitely like kind of a chilled relaxed go with the flow type of person and I loved that I could do that there I mean I'm a big warm weather girl so obviously like just the setting the environment the nature the beaches like they're absolutely incredible um and like you said like I tried to kind of not have a typical tourist experience but like throw myself into meeting expats and going to local places and I just think that Tulum has a lot to offer and it can give you a lot of different things depending on what type of trip you want to have. And that's kind of what's cool about it. Tulum seems to be starting to become a bit of an influencer island. It is. Yeah. Why do you think that it like, why do you think that's become the place now? Is it because of the beauty of it or what's your thoughts there? I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of just because the way it's been built to be like that like to serve that purpose because ultimately I think they know that brings a certain type of like tourist in or whatever that was actually one of the things I really didn't like about Tulum to be honest with you and and ultimately I do love it I had a beautiful trip but I don't know that I would necessarily go back there specifically for the type of trip I was trying to have Mm -hmm. um I probably would go there if I was trying to have a bit more of a like 
content trip or like party trip or um, something like that. But I think they kind of like specifically try and build that place to be somewhere that attracts that type of person. Yeah, because I feel like I haven't been yet, but I feel mm. like I've got this kind of perception that it is just content creator island. And I'm just going to go to like a restaurant and everyone's just taking a selfie or something or talking on Instagram live. I, I guess it's obviously not like that, but that's just the perception I've built up because there's so many influences there. Yeah, I think it's a little like that, but it also can be not that at all. And I think that's why I kind of like it is because if you want that trip, it's there to be like had. But if you don't want that trip, there's also a whole lot of Tulum that's completely like undiscovered and untouched that is so beautiful and not that at all. Um, so I think it can kind of be whatever you want. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. I'll uh, I'll probably check it out at some point <laughs> uh, once I get the courage to get, go there. Um, obviously traveling, you know, that's not the only place you've gone to. What's kind of your favorite place? Is Tulum your favorite place? No. Or is, it, is, is there other places? <laughs> easily can say that Tulum is not my favorite place. Um, I would say probably my favorite place I've ever traveled would be New Zealand. Really? Which was surprising. I didn't think that would be my answer, but that was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country. Was there a certain part of New Zealand that, that attracted you the most? Not in specific. No. I did a RVing trip um, throughout both of the islands all over. And honestly, I kind of loved that New Zealand, a lot like Canada, you get a lot of different landscape and different mm -hmm. types of uh, like, yeah, just different landscapes and things. So um, I kind of love that it had like a little bit of everything to offer, but a beautiful country and a very kind of like untouched country as well. It's set up like the infrastructure there is really created for people to be doing like RV type road trip style traveling, which was so fun and one of the best ways I've ever experienced a country yeah I mean New Zealand's very similar to Australia right the same kind of culture the way of life it's so relaxed so chill and it's kind of go out there and experience life and I love that and plus the weather's uh, yeah obviously really good too <laughs> Let, let's shift into a different topic now business I know we've kind of mm. been touching on it and, and people will start to understand that you're in influencer marketing yeah um but we before we talk about that role can you share kind of a bit about your employment journey maybe prior to that and then how did you kind of lead into influencer marketing yeah so it's funny because my journey into influencer marketing pretty much started while i was still in university um so a lot of my employment like prior to that was really just kind of like part-time serving jobs things like that um but when i was in university um like i said obviously with my degree i kind of specialized it into marketing and social media marketing and from that naturally came this progression of me starting a business um, because I was going home back to Orangeville in the summers and I was actually seeing all these business owners. There's a bunch of amazing local, beautiful businesses in, in Orangeville, but they're all ran by, you know, people who aren't necessarily of the digital age. So I saw an opportunity there to start a social media marketing business and just help, like I was saying, kind of coach, consult and run their social media um, within that. So I was kind of doing that business. And then at the same time I was producing content on social media for my own enjoyment. It was kind of just like an artistic release. Um, and 
then I started growing a following having, I mean, not a big following, but having some brands reaching out to me. I think if any girls are listening to this and are around the same age as me, like I think triangle bikinis reached out to me and I was like, Oh shit, I've made it. Like, let's go. <laughs> what is that? It's like an Australian bikini oh, okay. company, but like they were the shit at the time. And I remember there was like a few girls, myself included, who got sent like triangle bikinis. And I was like, I'm a fucking influencer now, like <laughs> shit. Anyway, um, but yeah, so that like all kind of happened at the same time. And then as I was in school and like learning about like business and marketing, my business brain of the influencer side of things kind of started to go off. And then I kind of just dove into it from there. So after university, like I said, obviously I was traveling a little bit and then I moved to Calgary and that's really when the influencer marketing career started. For sure. No, that's, that's obviously quite a, smooth journey almost mm -hmm. people don't necessarily know what they want to do but i want to kind of go back for people that don't know influencer marketing mm. is obviously still pretty new mm -hmm. you know it's it's one of those industries people are trying to understand but do you mind like sharing what is influencer marketing to you what what does it even mean what do you do in in, in a role like that yeah so obviously like i said there was sort of a natural progression between like social media marketing and then into influencer marketing, which I'll kind of explain the difference. So within social media marketing, I was helping businesses and brands like post on social media and market themselves on social media. With influencer marketing, obviously that's not necessarily brands or businesses. It's creators, right? It's individual people who are building like a level of influence on social media and then in some way monetizing that. And because it was so new, I was kind of like, how are they monetizing it? Like, I want to understand that. I want to understand how someone, not a business, not a brand, but an individual is building a following, building a level of influence and then monetizing that influence. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then I guess what does day to day look like? I know it's going to be one of those roles where you wear multiple hats and it's forever changing. What typically does an influencer marketer do <laughs> day to day for a, a person like me that doesn't do it? Yeah. So there's a lot of different avenues of influencer marketing. And so um, where it started for me was actually on the front end of side of things. So I was getting paid to be a, a nano influencer, a micro influencer myself. Um, which means like brands were reaching out to me saying, hey, I want to put an ad on your page and paying me to do so. But on the back end of the industry, um, my career basically started in campaign management, which means that I was facilitating and like running influencer campaigns for brands. So similar to how I started doing social media marketing for brands and businesses, I was like, hey, you guys need to have an Instagram page and you need to have a uh, like, well, TikTok at the time wasn't a thing, but <laughs> uh, like you need to have a presence on social media. Now I was leaning into these businesses and saying like, hey, you guys need to be using influencers. This is the way of the future. Like we need to be going down that path of marketing. So within that day to day, I was kind of like facilitating um, influencer campaigns, coming up with an influencer campaign, sourcing the influencers, hiring them, and then like making sure the campaign ran smoothly with these influencers. Um, and now more recently, I've gone into kind of the secondary side of things within influencer marketing, which is talent management. And so within that, 
Um, rather than being the person who's like hiring the influencers for a campaign, I'm actually representing the influencers and I'm negotiating with those um, brands on their behalf to kind of get them the best deal possible or, or whatever that looks like. So now I've sort of uh, dipped my toes into every sort of area of influencer marketing you can. And, and uh, right now I'm in the talent management side of things. You, you mentioned that you kind of source influencers. Can you kind of walk me through the process of how would you find influencers? Let's say for a specific brand, how would that work? Yeah. So there's a lot of different like tools and avenues that brands can do it, but ultimately like it kind of comes down to like a lot of brands still in some ways do it organically, which is where my creeper Calgary blogger, let me find friends <laughs> strategy came into hand. So um, let's say like a brand is like, yeah, we, we want to target like Calgary and we want this demographic of influencer and whatever. And so I'm like organically going onto social media and trying to find those, those people through all kinds of different like search techniques and search tools and things like that. But it makes for <laughs> challenges in my day to day because I'm spending a lot of my time on social media and it's pretty hard to get onto TikTok and supposed to be scrolling to like find influencers but then all of a sudden I'm scrolling for my own enjoyment and then two hours has passed and one thing leads to another and you know how that goes yeah I mean how how does that must be difficult because obviously yes it's work but a lot of it is entertainment you know you can get mm -hmm. easily sucked in how do you maintain that? I think for me if I was on social media all day every day I think I would struggle with that you know I think a lot of people kind of try and get away from the phone how how do you handle that that's a good question. Um, it's hard. It's really challenging. And this has actually been one of the biggest challenges in terms of like my mental health and like trying to navigate that space is because I can't step away. I don't get the luxury of like deleting Instagram or deactivating my account because my job relies on me having a presence on social media. And I think in a lot of ways that I feel that on the business side of things, that's also probably a lot of the ways that creators feel in terms of like their mental health and trying to, you know, have a presence on social media, but needing time to step away. And so it can be hard. It, it's just about kind of finding balance, setting boundaries where you can, but truthfully, like there is a lot of time that gets wasted on TikTok and Instagram that I really wish didn't, but that's just the world that we live in. You gotta, you gotta keep focused. Yeah. You gotta keep focused. Um, can you share, you mentioned you kind of, when you were, I guess, on the influencer side, mm. doing brands and putting stuff up on your pages. Can you share any kind of successful campaigns or any brands that you worked with? That I, like when I was an influencer. Yeah. Oh, I actually love that question. Um, that's a good question. I remember there's a couple like significant moments within my like influencer career that I really remember. The first one was the first time a brand ever reached out to me and said like, hey, we want to work with you and this is what we're going to pay you. Because most of the time it was the brands reaching out to me just saying like, hey, will you do this for free? And then I was like, no, 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 pay me. And so it was actually Essie nail polish, which I'm sure you probably won't have an idea, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if there's any girls like listening, they will. They reached out to me and they were like, hey, we want you to post something and we're going to pay you. At that time, I think it was like $350, but it was also the most money I've ever been paid. And it was the first time a brand initially came to me saying like, we want to pay you. And that just felt super validating. Like I was like, oh, someone sees my value. Like someone understands that like 
this is worth something. So that was really significant. And then I think the second part um, that was like really cool and significant for me was actually going to New York Fashion Week. And I went to New York Fashion Week as a creator. I was invited to shows. I was like brands were, you know, sending me stuff to out like wear at New York Fashion Week. And that was just a really, really exciting moment even though it's crazy because at that time I think I had 5,000 followers on Instagram which is is not a lot but you can have a lot of impact with a small community Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and so I really leaned into that and yeah that was really cool yeah I think I mean it's not necessarily about the numbers figure now it's it's a lot about the engagement and the analytics that the social media platforms have have provided my next question was going to be going into kind of what was your great experience greatest experience that you've managed to experience through influencer marketing but was it that kind of New York Fashion Week trip yeah for me personally on like being an influencer side of things I think it was probably New York Fashion Week and then just like meeting some really really cool people um there's definitely moments now that I like on the back end of things and like being able to represent influencers and stuff like feeling super empowered knowing that I've like given an experience to a creator who maybe necessarily couldn't have had it without like me helping them through that journey. So, yeah. For sure. Talk to me about the pros and cons of the industry. (laughs) I think there's probably a lot from the outside. Um, There's a lot of people that have a say about social media and influencers. And I think that's because it's new, right? Not a lot of people understand it. But talk to me about what, from your experience or perspective, what are the pros and cons of that industry? Yeah, I think there's, like you said, probably a lot of pros and cons and they're going to be different for everybody. I think kind of what we were talking about before that inability to shut off and step away is a really big challenge. I think putting yourself out there and being vulnerable on the internet for everyone to judge and watch. And especially in this day and age, potentially cancel, like that's a scary thing and that's a really big challenge. So, you know, people, really still do love to discount the value of creators and and what they're doing and think you know oh you blew up because you're dancing on tiktok like i don't respect that but when you really think about these people putting their vulnerability out on the internet for hundreds of thousands of people to view and judge and and do whatever they want with like that's a really scary thing and i think that's a really admirable thing because not a lot of people want to do that right yeah i think i probably was one of those people at the beginning where you you know you're you've got this idea in your head of what they are and then you you start to understand it a little bit more and starting this podcast very much was trying to get people to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and show the person that's behind the scenes when that's not easy to do especially when some people create a character uh, almost for their social media um, and then they have to be vulnerable that they are a person that's going through all the different things that just happens to be the job and the route that they've taken. Exactly. Um, and obviously it's not an easy thing to maintain, you know, income is not guaranteed. Yeah. It depends on the brands and, and the deals you get. What would you say is the biggest setback that you've kind of had in, in the industry? Hmm. That's a good question. I think like for me personally, challenges came with just like being an entrepreneur and like you said, not having, that secure level of income all of the time. Um, I think also another thing as I've been like navigating this career kind of both on the front end on the back end is 
trying to actually align with people who genuinely are authentic because there also are a lot of people who put themselves on the internet and they're not who they seem to be um in the way that they like present themselves on the screen and and when you really get to know and I'm not saying every creator is like this but within social media there is that opportunity for you to present yourself ex like however you want right and so when you meet these people who maybe you've like looked up to or have like been really inspired by and then because you're in the industry and you start meeting them in real life and having relationships with them and you realize like, wow, you're really not the person that you are on the internet. Sometimes that can be really disappointing or really disheartening or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I actually think social media has started to take a shift um, mm -hmm. in authenticity. I think people are starting TikTok to- TikTok did that. Yeah. But I think, I think people are starting to realize that you can just be yourself and it most likely will attract more attention because you're being who you are yeah right? people create these characters and then it's also once you get a mass following it's hard to keep up with you've mm -hmm. got all these people that view you and see you in this way you can't refer back to the normal person that, that you are so authenticity is definitely coming up up in the industry i feel mm -hmm. but i guess with the um the marketing trends how do you kind of navigate and stay up to date with kind of constantly evolving trends and I know you said you're in talent now and previously you weren't you're were more on the brand or influencer side yeah how do you navigate that landscape I think that's like kind of circling back to what we were talking about about never being able to shut off that's like one of the reasons why is because in order to stay on top of the trends and, and stay on top of what's going on on social media you have to be consuming it right and so part of my job is diving into social media and being on there and seeing what's happening and noticing these trends starting to happen before they really become a thing. And that was like a huge thing with TikTok, right? Like there was such a, uh, like challenge and like a boundary almost with people, not boundary, but, um, like there was people really didn't want to get onto TikTok, right? They're on Instagram. They post static posts. They're like TikToks for it's like 16 year olds who are dancing, like I'm not doing it. And one of the biggest things was me telling all of these like creators and all of these businesses, like you need to be on TikTok. Like I know that you think that it's just a bunch of kids dancing, but it's not right. Mm -hmm. And even now, like, um, with YouTube shorts becoming a thing, like a lot of my creators are like, yeah, well I like, I'm a TikToker. I don't want to focus on YouTube shorts. Like that's not where my, like my head is at but that's the way that the industry is going. So you kind of just have to really like consume and be aware and like kind of stay ahead of those trends. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's challenging, right? Everything's being created so quickly now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, everyone's talking about this chat, GBT. Yeah. Um, and, and how quickly that's evolved and AI is becoming a thing. And you, you have to keep, keep up with it. You have to stay up to date in that sense. I guess for people trying to get into the industry, influencer marketing specifically, do you have any important messages for people that would be trying to get into that industry? Maybe how do you start or any challenges that you've come that, that they may want to avoid? Mm, like as an influencer or on like the business side of things? I think in, in general, I mean, yeah. you, can, you can maybe two part that question, I guess. Okay. So I think as an influencer, my best piece of advice is always just to start like your content is never going to look amazing. It's never going to be exactly like you want it to be. It's really just about doing the damn thing and like being consistent with it. And a lot of the time, these people that have like absolutely blown off, blown up, it's, it's not necessarily because not that they don't 
offer anything special, but it's because they show up and they're consistent with it. And I think that's the biggest thing if you're kind of focusing on wanting to become a creator is yeah, just really putting yourself out there, but then also asking yourself like, why, like, why am I doing this? Because ultimately I think if you're putting yourself on the internet because you want a bunch of cool brands to send you free shit, like probably you're not going to be that successful in the long term. So you really need to ask yourself like, what, what is my goal here? What am I trying to do? Am I trying to be a content creator? And I'm, am I trying to be an influencer? How am I trying to have influence over people? Like what is my goal and what is my message here? And I think a lot of people don't really think about that. They kind of just are like, I want cool shit. Like, and you're, anyone can post on social media, not anyone can have influence. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then on the business side of things, I think it's kind of like any job, like I would say, try and network with people who are in the industry. Don't be afraid of taking opportunities and just kind of like putting yourself out there and diving in head first. I think there's a lot of different avenues in which you can kind of dive into with influencer marketing, but ultimately at the end of the day, like you need to understand the industry and you need to have a level of like knowledge around influencers in general. So for me, like even before I really got into it, I was constantly spending time reading articles about influencer marketing or like trying to understand like how it all worked and and whatnot, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's good advice. I think it really is. You've just got to start. Yeah. I've heard tons of people saying consistency, the people that have now got followers, mm-hmm. friends that I know, they've said it just was consistency. And then suddenly it takes that one video or that one brand to reach out. And then that's how you create a long-term let's switch a little bit into topics now dating and relationships i know you're excited (laughs) for this one um we briefly touched on it i guess right at the beginning um that you ultimately moved from ontario to calgary originally in a relationship which you're you're obviously no longer in Mm -hmm. talk to me about that experience that whole dating experience um yeah so I was in a almost like five-year relationship. Obviously, like I said, part of it was a large portion of it was long distance until we decided to move in together um, in Calgary. And then ultimately it ended on a really great note. So I'm grateful for that. I think that taught me a lot. And then coming out of that, I've learned even more about what I do or don't want in a relationship and it was interesting because I came out of that relationship at a really significant time because I was out of this relationship for the first time in five years I actually had just moved back to Calgary but by myself this time and I was living alone for the first time ever completely by myself and pandemic hit and we went into isolation so I pretty much had nothing to do but like grieve this relationship and figure out my shit on my own and I'm actually really grateful for that because I feel like it led up to you know things starting to open up and me starting to date after I actually had some time to process it I mean sitting in an apartment in ice quarantine by yourself after a breakup of five years isn't the most ideal situation (laughs) um but I think good things probably came from it (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, that probably has worked out well. Yeah. Um, you know, going through that experience and, and difficult experiences gets you to the place that you're in right now. I guess in general, again, obviously moving to Calgary, what's what's been your dating, dating experience? <laughs> um, I definitely feel like I've tried to like put myself out there and I think going on dates is fun. Um, that being said, I don't necessarily know that Calgary offers like, what I think I want from a relationship and what 
I want from like someone that I'm going to invest into. But at the same time, I'm like not, not open to that being in Calgary. I just think with the way that I live my life, I'm very nomadic and I'm very like free spirited. And, um, I have a lot of personal interests that like, not that other people in Calgary don't have, but it's not like maybe the main focus here. And so, um, I don't know if I've been super successful dating in Calgary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You kind of touched on it a little bit then, but what, what, what do you value in a partner then? You said, obviously you've got your own interests and you're a bit of a a nomad, but what what do you value in a partner? Wow. Dan, (laughs) you're really asking me the the tough questions here. Um, that's a good question. Yeah. So like I said, obviously in terms of like being nomadic, like, and just, I, I work completely remotely. I, I work from wherever I want and that's a really big travel's a really big thing for me. And obviously a thing that was like not present in my last relationship. And so that's something that I value. Another thing for me is like someone who is very ambitious and kind of has their own goals. Like I have a lot of big goals for myself that I want to, I have a big life that I want to build. And so someone who kind of like is on that same journey with their own types of things, like their own types of things that they want to do. We don't necessarily have to do everything together, but I think nothing's cooler than having a partner who like pushes you and is sort of along for that, for that journey. Um, Ah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Um, how do you meet people? I guess obviously you mentioned you travel quite a mm-hmm. lot with work. You've got that flexibility. Mm-hmm. How do you meet people? Like to date? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the topic. Uh, I won't lie. I'm on dating apps for sure. Um, I don't know if I'm like necessarily the biggest fan of them, but I feel like that's been a way that I've met a lot of people. I actually really do like to use dating apps when I'm traveling. I think it's just a fun way to kind of like get myself like integrated into the city. And like, regardless of whether or not it turns into like a romantic relationship in any way, I think it like has opened up a lot of opportunity for me to meet a lot of cool people. So I would say, um, yeah, another thing that I actually do love about traveling alone, and this is a way that I've like met some people, um, and it can be scary, but I actually love going to restaurants by myself and just sitting at the bar, sitting alone for dinner. And it's crazy what comes to you when you're like open to receiving. And I actually try really hard, even like I try to be really conscious of it now. It can be super awkward to sit at a restaurant by yourself, but I try really hard to not sit on my phone and just like actually be open to whatever can come. And I've had some, I've met some cool people that way and I've had some cool experiences that way. Yeah. I I have too. I've yeah. actually, I've sat in restaurants uh, on my own in different places in the world. And it's crazy because more people will come up to you. So, so there's obviously that, that small group is like, okay, what? Well, that's weird. They're on their own, but there's also a large part of the restaurant that's like, Oh, why are they on the road? Like, we should meet them. Where are they from? Like you yeah. instantly think you're not from here. If you're mm-hmm. on your own, that's kind of the first thought I think people have. I actually find it so much easier to meet people when I'm traveling. And I think people feel so like scared to travel alone, but I find to be like, it's some of the least lonely times. Like, cause uh, when you're by yourself and you're traveling, there's so much to like talk about and, and, I don't know. It's just like opens you up for a lot of cool experiences to come in. Whereas when you're maybe by yourself, like, I don't know how comfortable I would actually feel going somewhere by myself in Calgary. I'd probably feel a lot more awkward about that than, than when I'm traveling. Yeah, for sure. With, with, you mentioned dating apps. What's mm-hmm. kind of your go-to app? Um, I would say Hinge and, and Raya. <laughs> okay. So you're on Raya. Yeah. Okay. What, what's your experience <laughs> with that? Like, um, Raya's interesting. Um, 
I don't know how much you're really supposed to talk about Raya, <laughs> but um, it is interesting because with that app, you actually don't meet people who are like, it's not location specific. So it'll show you people from all over the world, which for some people I feel like can be quite frustrating or like not ideal because not everyone has a lifestyle or a job where they can just go wherever they want. For me, I quite love it because it's allowed me to meet people who live in different cities and different places. And I can pretty much go and work kind of from anywhere. And like I said, I'm pretty nomadic. So I think it's really cool for that reason, but it's also kind of crazy because I mean, it'll show you people from Australia, like Sweden, like does not matter where it's showing you people from all over. So yeah, there's also obviously you can put the traveling option on, right? And I also like mm. on the app that you, it clearly states if you're here just for, for friends, a lot yeah. of people use it as kind of that community of like-minded people and networking. Exactly. And you can, you can also obviously find people locally, but I, I feel like a lot of people are trying to get on that app. It's becoming mm-hmm. the new Obviously, it's a it's a paid service, but it's yeah. becoming the new the new hinge almost, right? A little um, bit. But we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, we'll, we'll <laughs> Hit me up if you need a Raya recommendation. Yeah, there you go. I know. Yeah, no, give, give out all the referrals after this. <laughs> if anyone wants to, just send a DM to Emily. Um, she'll hook you up. Um, let's talk about mental health. Obviously, you know mm-hmm. it, it's typically talked about a lot throughout um, all conversations where it comes up in in work or any experiences that you've had, but. Do you want to just, I guess, give me an overview of share your, you know, any personal experiences you've had with mental health? Yeah, this is actually a topic that I'm like kind of loving to talk about lately because it's something that's like a lot more at the forefront for me now. And honestly, circling back to the beginning of the episode where I was talking about my childhood and growing up and challenges, I think at the time and for a really long time, I didn't really realize that certain things were challenges until now when I'm older and I'm, I am really evaluating my mental health and I'm like digging deeper onto like why certain things are triggers or why certain things are happening. And I'm realizing like, oh shit, this is actually from something that happened when I was really young that at the at the time seemed like nothing. And I was always one of those people with my mental health where I never felt like I went through a deep trauma right? So I could always understand why people were struggling with their mental health who had experienced something that we would classify as like very traumatic. But for me, I, I'm very grateful that I, I didn't feel like I experienced something that was like extremely traumatic. Now navigating my mental health and I've been on like a pretty deep mental health net, like journey and self-development journey over the past two to three years, I'm starting to realize like trauma doesn't necessarily mean like a really big, crazy, scary monster thing happening. It can be like kind of little nuances that happen throughout your life that actually can like really impact you and like carry in into your childhood or into your like adulthood, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Did, did you, was there anything, um, I guess that was a trigger that now you can see was a trigger Like you mentioned, obviously it wasn't necessarily trauma, but mm. what was it that triggered your mental health? Yeah. Um, I think like my mental health journey kind of started with my breakup. Um, and then being alone and living alone for the first time. And ultimately I was kind of just having a lot of anxiety that was very confusing because I actually didn't necessarily have something specific that I noticed was triggering it. Right. So it was kind of just like, my life is actually pretty fucking good if you look at it. So why the fuck do I feel so shitty? Like, why do I feel this way? And so 
now within navigating that over the past like two years and I you know like sought therapy and have been on a really big like self-development journey I'm starting to realize that like it doesn't necessarily like I said have to be something in specific or something like really big and bad it can just be anything it just is about like how you interpret and have a perspective and how that like experience has impacted you um I felt like a lot of my anxiety was at at one point was triggered by being an entrepreneur and not having security um within like my income and my lifestyle um now actually though I'm not an entrepreneur and I'm working like with a company and I'm realizing like oh that necessarily wasn't everything. And I'm starting to learn all these like different areas that can impact you in like many different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, stability is a huge one Mm. that pretty much the whole world struggles with, right? Especially when it comes to money and affording a house and just growing up in general. I think that's caused a lot of mental health issues with people and Mm -hmm. the anxiety and the stress that people face every day. You you talk about self-development quite a bit there. Do you want to share kind of what does that mean to you and and what have you done kind of throughout your self-development? Yeah, I I like to call it self-development because I think sometimes like people don't necessarily think about like therapy as well. They think of it as like something is specifically wrong, so I'm going to seek out therapy. But for me, I kind of think like we take care of our bodies. We go to the gym, we go to the dentist, we take care of our bodies and I personally feel that we should be taking care of our our mental health just as we do our physical health and so I kind of like to call it self-development because I think it's less of a triggering word for people or it seems a little bit more chill I guess in a way but for me that's looked like therapy that's looked like books that's looked like meditating and and doing yoga and breath work and stretching but not all of these things came all at once. And I wasn't just like, I'm going to get into self-development. And then it was easy. You know, it was, it, it kind of came naturally as like a natural progression based on like what I needed at the time. Mm -hmm. You you talked about therapy. I know uh, you mentioned behind the scenes that you are seeing someone in Mm -hmm. person, which is a great thing. I think. Yeah. We love therapy. (laughs) We do therapy, pro therapy here. Therapy is cool. But I guess I want to understand, how did you feel about making the decision that you need to see a therapist? The reason I ask that question is a lot of people still feel it's quite taboo and you shouldn't go and don't be weak. But what, how did you feel about that, that you thought that is really going to be something that can help me? Yeah. So this is kind of why I was saying that, like, I like to talk about self-development because I want people to understand that, like, you can work on yourself. Like to me, going to therapy is like going to the gym, right? Like, and you can work on yourself no matter what, no matter how you're doing. Like I still go to therapy even when I feel my like my best self. But for me, the push to go to therapy was when I was at a low and I was at such a low. And I think this is often what it takes people to get to, to really push themselves out is you get so sick and tired and frustrated of your own shit. And you're like, there's nothing else that I can do. And I was at that point and I was so frustrated with my own shit that I was like, I need help. Like I need support to get myself out of this rut because I can't do it on my own and I'm trying, but it's just not working. And that's, I think the point that a lot of people seek therapy. That's the point I sought, sought out therapy. But like I said, 
now I continue to go even when I feel like I'm at my highest and like living like my most authentic and like exciting and amazing self. I still continue to work on myself just like you do the the gym. Yeah, for sure. For people that I guess haven't done therapy, Mm -hmm. what do you do? Is it just, are you just talking to someone? How do you kind of heal and grow in that moment when you're with someone? Yeah, I think finding the right type of therapy or the right therapist can be challenging and that's not always simple for people. And I think it takes a level of self-awareness. So for me to actually like seek out a therapist and find the right fit, I actually first tried um, BetterHelp, which this episode is sponsored by. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but that's actually what I tried first, BetterHelp or Better, better Health. Um And I was matched with a therapist, tried doing that online, didn't really like it. And then I sat down with myself and was like, okay, why am, why do I not like this? Why do I not like this therapist? Why is this not the right fit for me? And what do I need? And then I, um, a friend of mine told me about, um, psychology.ca, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, where you can like find different therapists and kind of filter based on what your needs are or whatever. So at that point, there was like kind of a level of self-awareness and self-evaluation on what I actually wanted from the person. And then I found a therapist. I kind of interviewed them first. I was like, this is where I'm at in my journey. And this is what I need. Is that something you can offer me? Or is this the right fit? Like, yes or no. And then through that, I've found my now therapist and have been seeing her for about a year and a half. And yeah, I see her in person it's talk therapy. Um, she has other modalities of therapy that she specifically likes for me. I really liked that she was grounded in sort of like Eastern medicine practices while living in a Western society. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's something that like really, uh, I was really drawn to. Um, but I think it can look different for everybody. I think it, it's really about like what you need and what, what you're seeking. But, um, it's not necessarily always the first person that you go to is going to be the right fit. You know, finding a therapist is a little bit like dating. <laughs> I was about, I was about to say, it's actually from my experience, I've been to quite a few different therapists around mm-hmm. the world, but I think it's interviewing. I think mm-hmm. you, your role when you are finding a therapist is interviewing them and seeing what you value and finding the right fit. You, you know, I've been to some that I didn't like their techniques and mm-hmm. it just was, it frustrated me mm-hmm. and I found some that would, you could really, really relate to. And it's not easy finding one. And I think my advice for anyone that does look for someone is it is a bit frustrating at the beginning because you don't know what to expect. You don't know what you're going in that room to talk about. You don't want to be vulnerable because you're typically probably not in the mindset to want to speak to anyone. But taking that first hurdle is the hardest part. And then once you get into it, like you said, you've obviously done it for nearly a year and a half you're very comfortable and you know what you're getting out of it and what what the value you can get from it too exactly and even now like i push my therapist i'm like hey sister like i i need this from you like i need to be digging deeper on this or whatever like this is helping a little but like we need to do more like they're they're there to help you you know what i mean so get what you want out of it (laughs) yeah exactly can you share um i guess an important message you feel that may be relatable um, to a lot of people when finding their own happiness and healing specifically when they've been Mm. through, I guess, mental health challenges like you yourself. Yeah. I think this realization I came to was probably the most healing and the most freeing. And I'm going to preface with like, I'm sorry if this sounds like super hippie or like woo woo or whatever, but 
I've really, really realized. And once this like hit me across the face and it, it clicked, I've been able to be like a lot happier and also get through my lows a lot quicker. And that is, I'm going to give an analogy here, but I always kind of say like, life is like an ocean. Like it is just a bunch of waves, right? And if you get hit by a wave and are getting pulled under, like the more you kind of fight the wave, you're going to drown. The more you kind of just surrender, you're going to, it's going to push you ashore, right? So kind of a silly analogy there. But for me, what I've realized is like, we're just here to have a human experience. And despite what Western society says, that experience actually doesn't have to look a certain way. Like it doesn't look like you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to get a house. You have to have a good job. You have to make money. You have to have kids. Like it actually doesn't. We're literally here to just experience and like see what happens. Right. So once you can kind of let go of those like expectations, I guess a little bit and allow yourself to just be grounded in gratitude of like, wow, I get to be sitting here on this like podcast. Okay, cool. Like that just is what it is. And I'm excited to be experiencing it. And like, there's even times where, and I mean, do not get me wrong. It's not easy to get to this place. And I definitely am not here all the time. There's times that I'm sitting there having an absolute breakdown and crying and not in a good place. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm just grateful I get to experience sadness. Like that's a human experience. And like, we're literally just here to do nothing but experience the good and the bad. Like let it flow, like let it happen. Don't fight it. Don't try and control so much. I think especially in this society, like we really set these like expectations for ourselves, and then we try and control our life. And when it doesn't go that way, we feel so defeated and we feel so down. And I think the second you can kind of allow yourself like a little bit of leeway to just see what happens. And I know a lot of times people are like, yeah, well, that's easy to say. And I know there is a lot of privilege that comes within me saying that, like I can very much acknowledge that. But when you can let go of this need for status and money and stuff and realize that like it actually doesn't take a lot to be happy it takes nature and sunlight and food and water and shelter and community and connection but it doesn't take a new macbook or a new car you know what i mean sometimes it does i mean yeah i know sometimes (laughs) but when you can let go of that like expectation and really just kind of like let life happen to you i think that's kind of when you're free for sure (laughs) i love that that was a great great ending to the topics um, obviously, thank you for sharing the different topics we've we've spoken about. A couple of questions just to kind of uh, yeah, round up me. here. But what what's kind of great about your life right now and, and what's next for you? Mm, I love that question. Um, what's great about my life right now? Right now, what's really great about my life is being back in Calgary from traveling for like two months straight and also the travels that I have coming up. Um, also, what's great in my life, my friendships, my career, um, there's just a lot of cool things I think about to happen for me. Um, what's next? Yeah. A couple warm weather trips. Cause I'm trying to escape this <laughs> cold. Say, That's where, for sure. Where are you going to next? Um, I'm off to Hawaii and then Florida after that. And maybe Vegas after that. We basically just always try and escape the cold for as long as possible. That, so. that, that makes sense. I, I understand that for sure. Um, one thing I ask, uh, pretty much all my guests is if you could title this particular chapter in your life, what would you name it and why? Okay. I actually love that question. The reason I love that question is because, um, last year, instead of, um, doing like resolutions or goal setting, I actually decided to title my year like a book. 
and then kind of create different chapters based on like the different areas of my life that I wanted to focus on. And so I decided to do that again this year. And my book is just like kind of a continuation of last year's book. What, um, what was the book called? How to Chase yeah. the Sun in 10, 10 <laughs> no. in 12 months? Or? <laughs> I'll tell you the title of it. This feels super, super vulnerable, just like saying this on a podcast. But I titled my book last year, um, The Year of Independence Study, Self-Mastery. And then this year, it's kind of like self-mastery continued. Um, and there's another title, but maybe I won't go into it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like just, uh, I guess like independent study and like self-mastery is kind of my focus. But for this year in specific, um, the word intentionality is kind of like my word of the year. So that's your chapter. Yeah. Okay, nice. I love that. I love that. And then finally, um, obviously, we're always looking for different different guests and interesting people to come on the show to mm. to be, you know, vulnerable and share their stories. Do you have anyone in mind that you potentially would love to hear from? Yeah, um, I feel like you have so many cool guests, and I'm even honored that I somehow made the list. Um, I you, feel you barely, like- barely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a filler episode. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. just needed someone and I live close. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I think uh, someone or like a couple people that come to mind that I think are really cool and would maybe be really cool to kind of hear just their journey of their their life and, and how it's kind of come to fruition is actually a couple girls from Toronto. Um, they went to school in Ontario as well, moved downtown Toronto, did the whole entrepreneurial thing. And they are actually the owners of um, 437, the swimwear company. Amazing. Um, so their names are Hyla and Adrian, I believe. But really cool girls. I think they're doing some like really cool stuff. And yeah, I feel like they'd be neat people to to get some perspective on. Awesome. Hopefully they're listening to this and they reach <laughs> out to me rather than me reach out to them. Yeah. But no, that's, <laughs> I'll that's, put you guys in touch. Yeah, no, for sure. I think... Obviously, the guests we have on it, it's completely varying. You mm-hmm. know, some people you would think that they've got a large background or following and that's what it requires to be a guest. But part of this podcast is really just being, you know, being a person. We've all gone through experiences and hopefully they're relatable to all different types of guests. They are longer episodes and mm-hmm. it, it gives people a really, you know, good insight of behind the scenes and, and not just the perfect life and, life and social media. So thanks so much for joining me. Obviously, thanks so much for sharing all the insight there as well. Um, and being vulnerable as you can um, but yeah hopefully uh, next week we'll have a, another guest to to talk about something else thanks for having me <laughs> thank you to my guests for joining me and to you guys for listening next week we'll meet a new guest to learn about their persona behind their social media account if you want to ask a question on a future episode go to our instagram at sonda society pod where you can suggest topics and even nominate a guest you want to see on the show If you enjoyed the show, please review us on Spotify and Apple and share with your friends to help build the society. Catch you next time.